Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling on the Green at here on AM860, The Answer, the Golf News Network. Soon to be on WEEU in Pennsylvania. We'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. This is where we talk to the characters and curmudgeons and the free souls that make the world of golf and just life itself interesting. I'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef for sponsoring this show, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives, unmatched quality and comfort and efficiency with enhanced productivity. I wrote that, so just so you know that. It wasn't something that came out of a PR firm. Um, Gunter Wilhelm Knives online at GunterWilhelm.com. If you're a Twitter person, um, and if you follow me, or you may follow my guest here, Tucker Booth, Tucker's a professional entertainer. He's also a, a writer, a rapper, a critical thinker. A, he calls himself a sports dork and uh, a golfer. And so I want to welcome my friend Tucker Booth. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Jeff, I'm glad that I can fill that niche of the curmudgeons <laughs> and the whack jobs that come and talk golf on your show. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so... You, I discovered just before we recorded this show that you're originally uh, from my neck of the woods up here in the Northwest in Portland. When, when you were here in Portland, did you, did you actually take up golf when you were little or did your dad, you told me your dad used to play over there at like East Moreland. Did you follow him around or how did you get involved in this crazy game? Well, I, I promised all of my followers when I advertised coming on here that I would expose why I'm such a golf fraud. So, Jeff, let me just start with my childhood. We'll go there first for the fraudulence. My dad was a realtor who worked near the East Moreland golf course, and I grew up in East Moreland in, in Portland. Sure. And he would golf there regularly. Granted, he was not a great golfer, but that's where he did a lot of his business, took his clients, etc. And when I was a child... He said, Tucker, would you like me to get you golf lessons? I'm sure I could get you lessons with one of the pros over there at the club. And I go, Dad, why would I want to play that fat old man sport? <laughs> and my dad sulks away all miserable. And I never started until I was a grown-up and was watching Tiger Woods like every other 20-year-old uh, from my era. I'm 40. And suddenly golf looked very cool and not old and athletic and exciting so i picked up a club in my 20s and have never ever been good since that's the story <laughs> well you know we've talked about tiger a lot on this show <clears throat> from people that know him to writers and stuff that have covered him over the years 
And you are the perfect example of the influence that Tiger had on the world of golf. Somebody that didn't like it or wasn't interested all of a sudden saw this very athletic, good-looking guy who could hit a little white spherical ball with a lot of dimples in it, you know, 280 yards away to two feet from the pin. Um, and I think that's what hooked people, especially like you. I was just always amazed at at his uh, focus, but we're not talking about Tiger today. So when you did finally pick up the golf club, Tucker, were you living in California then? or were you st- Yes, sir. I was already out in Redondo Beach. And though we don't have a ton of great public courses, we do have a few good ones right around us in the South Bay here in L.A. And uh, my wife had taken a few lessons from a teacher at the Lakes of El Segundo, which actually just closed. It's becoming a top golf now. But the Lakes at El Segundo was where uh, Fred Couples actually used to practice when he was uh, coming up working on a short game, just a nice little nine hole. And I got a, a teacher there named Aubrey Shaw. Shout out to Aubrey. And Aubrey put a driver in my hand, showed me a little bit of the swing plane and said, go ahead and take a rip at it and see how you do. And my very first swing, Jeff, I smashed it. <laughs> smashed <laughs> it better than I probably ever have since. But he looks at me and he goes, you say you never swung a club before? And I go, nope. And he goes, try that again. And then I put one, uh, squirted one 10 feet sideways. So, you know, then the real golf adventure began. But yeah, you know, like most golfers, that first good drive, and luckily it was indeed my first swing, was the dope in my veins. And away (laughs) I went on it. And, you know, the reason I've stuck with it, even though it's been so punishing, and obviously starting in my mid-20s and now you know into my 40s, uh, all the bad habits mentally and physically that have come with being a grown-up. My son was born right at the same time that I started, so I put a little plastic club in his hands and used that as, as, as an excuse to go chip balls at the park. And what I found right away was the little one- and two-year-old was out-chipping and, and out-swinging me right away. So now at 11, with his marvelous swing, I just go out and golf with him and work at being his caddy and his cheerleader to try and get him a, an eventual scholarship for golf. You know, that could be your retirement program going down the road there, Tucker. I'm just, just throwing that out there, buddy. I told him one U.S. Open pretty much sets us all up forever. Just one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I tried to get my daughter to, to do it. My, my daughter's tall and athletic, and uh, and she liked to hit the balls. And I kept thinking, man, just just pick up, just go with me. You know, we, I'll build you a driving range out at the farm or something. You know what I mean? I just, and, but she always wanted to go do other things. But when I was out there chipping in the front yard, she'd come out and want to play, but I could never get her to that next step to go to the golf course with me. You know, I was, cause I was thinking that same thing, you know, a couple of years on the LPGA. So many coming. people dream it with their kids. Yeah. And the one story that comes to mind was early on, he would hit balls at the park for 90 minutes until I would tell him to leave. And this is when he was two and three. And obviously everyone walking by goes, oh, next Tiger Woods. And I go, no, 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 no. He's just, just Max Booth. That's it. Not, yeah. not, I'm not Earl. This is not Tiger. That's not what we're doing here. But sure enough, people would walk by and go, yeah, I thought my kid was going to be a golfer. But as soon as they realized how hard it got and got a little older and got a little attitude, then they would never go again. Somehow my son has made maintained a love for golf, though not a burning, passionate desire to be great at it, but a love for it. And so I'm just nurturing that and trying to really tell him that, look, 
this is so much cooler than working in the cafeteria like everyone else has to do to pay for college. Your swing could indeed pay for you to go to school. So at least believe in it that much. Uh, if you never want to play professionally, I don't blame you. But that would sure be cool to get a nice education out of doing golf. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I know you talked to Samantha Marks and, and Sam's been on this show. Um, you know, she went to college on a golf scholarship and, um, there's lots of people we've had on the show over the last few years that have gone to school on a golf scholarship, even though they didn't turn full, full blown golf pro or touring pro or something like that. It is a great way to, uh, to get your education paid for. If you, if you've got a swing that you can manage. I mean, I could never manage mine. Mine was like, you know, the bassomatic on the old Saturday Night Live thing. You know, <laughs> and and uh, you know, it's still erratic, but it's fun. I'll never quit. You know, but it's fun. And you said something very interesting. We got to take a break here in a minute, Tucker. But you said that first time you swung a driver, you smashed it out there. It, that's the type of thing that. Um, most every guest on my show will say, you know, it only takes that one good shot per round to keep you coming back. Have you experienced that? Yes. And most of the times I don't even get one shot, but yes, you're <laughs> right. That one shot for me in however many rounds it takes keeps me coming back. And the rounds where I don't get it, I consider quitting after the round. But I will say I am very mentally and emotionally frail when it comes to competitive sports. Um, I'm pretty good at playing other games. Uh, I've won 12 freestyle rap battles in four states in the last 15 years. I've, I've battled some of the biggest names in, in journalism and golf. But I'll tell you, when it comes to just me and my swing, Jeff, one bad swing can unravel the whole round. I'm truly a basket case. And that's what I'm working on is just uh, getting to that level where one good swing, one good putt, one good chip is truly enough. And I'm enjoying the whole process no matter what. So that's what I'm working on. Yeah, that's that's a good attitude to have. We're going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green. I'm going to be back with... Um, my buddy Tucker Booth here, uh, and we're going to talk some more golf and a little bit about what Tucker does uh, when he's not playing golf, right? Right after this, uh, here on AM860 and the Golf News Network. everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860, the answer to the Golf News Network. 434,000 different uh, podcast platforms or whatever there is out there. Now we're on all those too. And uh, we're picking up a couple of stations. I never tried to syndicate this show, but we are picking up another couple of stations uh, along the way that they like it. I'm going to welcome back my buddy Tucker Booth from Redondo Beach down there. Um, before we get to Tucker, though, don't forget our friends over at Langdon Farms Grill. Now that our beloved governor has rescinded her orders and the restaurants will be opened back up to 
I think 50% capacity or something in the next couple of days. Go back to Langdon on Friday night and have their prime rib special. How's that? So back with Tucker now. Um, you started doing podcasts and different things like that. You you also do some voice work. And I mean, you're really kind of a, a renaissance type of guy. Um, and, and I really appreciate that. And I like that. What's the biggest kick you get now out of being involved in the world of golf? Besides like golfing with your son at the park or getting him interested in it. Well, first of all, I love it when I get called a renaissance guy. You're like the third one I've talked to in the last couple months. It's it's an honor. I can do a madrigal for you if you'd like, my leash. No, no, no. But uh, no, as far as the golf, um, I think what, what really is fun for me, and just to give the listeners a little more perspective on my life, I grew up singing, dancing, playing gu- guitar, piano, uh, was an actor that studied acting all the way through college. Uh, got my in college, I not only got my degree in teaching for English, but I also was working in the theater. I was doing mass comm. I was on the radio station. I was the editor at the newspaper. You get the gist. I, right. I've never wanted to just do one thing. And I think what got me to golf, besides just being a fan and being a terrible amateur golfer myself, was that I've been a writer, and I've been a writer that has been uh, hired to write for multiple websites for quite a few years, about 15 years or so. And I'd write about all kinds of things. I'd write about sports. I'd write about music. Uh, sociopolitical issues, whatever they want, op-eds. But part of what I started loving writing about was golf and specifically being an outsider in golf that would never be accepted by these hoity-toity people in their fancy clubs. And also kind of that, that voice, kind of a Hunter S. Thompson voice almost, where I'm surely the most unhinged person in this room, but I'm also going to write well about this, and I'm going to pull no punches. And I just started writing blogs like that, Jeff. And one by one, these blogs started getting noticed, and I started getting a little more of a following with Golf Twitter. And then I started meeting some people, and I, my biggest, luckiest break was that uh, part of my music booking business out here uh, as a booking website that I was on where I had a booking profile, and I got asked to come and play a gig for Rick Riley and his wife, Cynthia, and Rick, obviously, the great writer from sure. Sports Illustrated and uh, lots of other places, a number one selling author. I just happenstantially got to play this gig for him at his home. I got to play his beautiful Steinway piano. I got to sing and play guitar for him and his wife and their and their relatives. And it was just this amazing night that created a friendship that led to me getting an opportunity to interview Rick on my podcast about his book that came out last year, the, the bestseller, Commander in Cheat, writing about right. Trump and golf. And that interview, Jeff jumped off into all these other opportunities to interview, write about and profile, and then eventually get to know and become friends with these great writers, journalists, broadcasters, uh, and golfers from the world of the PGA and beyond. I'm now meeting people from around the world uh, just by doing this podcast that I've done literally just on my own grit and spit and held together with scotch tape and wine. <laughs> this podcast somehow has, has generated this great network of really talented people, but most specifically broadcasters and journalists in the, uh, in the golf world. Yes. Yeah. That's how it works. I mean, there's no magical formulas 
except for what you've done, Tucker, which is like you said, grit spit, maybe a little birdie rap, throw those guys a bow in there. Um, sure. I love the birdie rap. Yeah. You know, and do that, but that's how you make it because, uh, you know, if you're a journalist and you're, you cover politics, that's kind of one ilk. If you got general news, there's another ilk like this and that, and they've all got their little coffee clutches. I get that. We all do that, but, Golf is kind of an interesting thing because it's kind of like they don't know you. And if they've never played golf with you or if they've never uh, seen you at a round, uh, you know, at a dozen tournaments or something, uh, we don't know who you are. So we're not going to pay much attention to you. And 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 that's a that's not really a criticism. That's an observation of years of doing this. And, um, but once you get to meet them, a lot of them are really nice people and they're a lot of fun to be around and fun to talk to and very interesting, got great stories. But when you first walk in the door, sometimes you can get that cold shoulder. When I I come from a long line of schmoozers, I alluded earlier that my father was in sales. And as a child, I was very lucky to have parents that allowed me to be around grownups and learn how to interact with them in a, a more mature way as a, as a young boy. So by the time I was grown, I felt confident networking with people, engaging strangers, etc. But still, I feel like there is an exclusivity at the upper levels of the golf world that is coming back up even in the public consciousness. And Samantha Marks, who you referenced, who was on my pod and who you've had on, we talked about how she's a member of a private club and she still felt profiled for dressing in clothes that she thought were expensive and nice. (laughs) And they were not nice enough for people that complained about her at the club. When you have that kind of vibe where there's always wealthier, snootier people that seem to be above you that are pulling the strings, people like me that come from middle class upbringing, we we don't feel welcome maybe because of the chip on our shoulder, but we also don't feel welcome because we know we can't afford to buy the equipment that a lot of these folks are playing with. We can't afford the memberships at the country clubs that they're at and so forth. So we're playing a different game. I mean, anybody who's played a public course and then played a private course will tell you the difference uh, on a lot of levels. And, and I think, um, you know, maybe that's, that's my own uh, work to do mentally and emotionally about feeling like an outsider still, because I obviously do have friends on the inside, but I think it maybe it kind of keeps me humble too, because I don't ever really want to get to a level where I feel like I'm bigger than anyone else ever. No, no, that's true. Uh, we're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Tucker Booth right here on grilling at the green in just a couple minutes. <laughs> Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Hope you guys are uh, liking the little bit of Jay Giles today here on um, Grilling at the Green. We'd like to thank Painted Hills again, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also the folks at Ben Hogan Golf Tour Quality Clubs at Factory Direct Prices. That's BenHoganGolf.com. By the way, I got a new uh, four-wood from Ben Hogan the other day. 
and uh, I haven't hit it yet. I went out and swung in the backyard, but I'm really looking forward to that. Maybe it can save my bacon, so to speak, at the uh, at the golf course. You know, it looks pretty, Tucker. I'm just going to tell you that. By the way, we are talking with my buddy Tucker Booth today. If I didn't say that coming back in from the break, um, Tucker's a very interesting, as I called him before, a Renaissance guy. But you know. What's interesting to me is how you just kind of did something with, you know, with your writing and blogging and interviewing, and now you're podcasting and stuff about golf. That's a bit like I started this show. Nobody told me I couldn't. Um, nobody told me no. So I just did it because I wanted to do it. Now, I had a lot of background in broadcasting and stuff, but I started to do it. It's worked out okay so far. How are you feeling about what you're doing? Yeah, it's just really been a true demonstration of one thing leading to the next. And people always want to give you the rah-rah pep talk about you got to put in all the work and all the steps to get to the next level and so forth. But I think I'm proving it in a very microcosmic kind of way. Each and every little step that I've taken to reach out to folks to invite them on the podcast has not led every time to success, as you might imagine. If anything, most of the time early on, it was no's or no replies. And I was just straight DMing people on Twitter or wherever that I was interested in if they had DMs. I would just go there. But what kept happening was I learned how to keep making the pitch a little stronger and a little better and, and then a couple bites and then really the, you know, the snowball effect took over. So how am I feeling about it? Well, I'm feeling good and I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, this wasn't all on my own. There was a website from the back which is now from the stadium.com. They expanded. They're now uh, broader than just golf. They're sure. covering all sports, but it's out of Canada. They had gotten a hold of me a couple of years ago and asked if I would be willing to write for them and have a column. And so for a couple of years, I had a column. And one of the main reasons why it was such a good relationship with them was they enabled me to get press credentials to go cover some of the tournaments that came through California. So I've been to the Farmers Insurance Open uh, and wrote about that. Um, but they also uh, enabled me to get editorial help to write deep dive pieces where I profiled a couple different people from the golf world. First of all, Peter Kessler, the original uh, face guy from Golf Channel, the original sure. Bob Costas, if you will, on Golf Central. Right. Uh, wrote a big a deep dive piece on Peter Kessler that got kicked around a lot. And then uh, Michael J. Whalen, who is the original senior executive producer and uh, architect, if you will, of Golf Channel. Uh, we, we wrote a 60-page profile piece about Mike Whalen with him that that came out on from the back tees. And that one, that one got around to everyone. That one really made the rounds. Uh, It went viral, at least in the golf world. And that got me through a lot of doors. So I got to give credit to from the back tees. I got to give credit to Peter Kessler, to Mike Whalen, Rick Riley, like I said, on the last segment, Uh, these were the people that really kind of paved the way for me to get to these next levels uh, that I'm getting to now. You know, we all need a little help. And and I would say that um, my first big interview with a golf journalist was like you. I, I just reached out to Jim Dodson, who's written several New York Times bestsellers, in, and he wrote for the Golf Channel. He wrote for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I mean, he's very, very storied and very well-respected and all that stuff. And subsequently, Jim and I have become very good friends over the last 
five years. Uh, in fact, we're working on a television piece together off and on when we can find the time. But I think you've got to, you know, to make it work, you need a little luck sometimes. And um, I think you, you got it there, you know. Well, you know, I'll just jump in on that and say I have some friends of my, my parents, my, my godparents, if you will. And they had reached out because they had heard about me doing all these podcast interviews and they have some friends that are connected to them in Palos Verdes area out here from the sports broadcasting world. And so they were trying to see if they can introduce me. And my godmother says to me at one point, so wait a minute, you're not getting paid for any of this. I said, no, this is all amateur, Virginia. I'm just doing this for not only the love of interviewing these people and the entertainment value personally from getting to hear these people's stories and insights, but also to network and kind of plant seeds that eventually could sprout into bigger opportunities to do things creatively or professionally with these folks. But it's a, it's a long-term investment like planting seeds. And she went, wow, I can't believe you've, you've got that much fortitude to do that. And I said, well, well, thanks, you know, but I'm starting to see some of them just sprout as you called. And sure enough, that was a few months ago. And I can now probably say on this podcast and you're getting it, Jeff, you're getting it uh, straight up here on the air There you go. for the first time. One of these friends is Lisa Cornwell, who just left golf channel and was a, a amateur golf champion herself and in the Arkansas golf hall of fame and sports hall of fame. Lisa Cornwell and I are writing a book together currently that we've already started writing. It's a memoir about her life, and I am the co-author. Hey, um, Tucker. Yeah. Big deal. It. We're doing it. Good. Good, good. I always like Lisa's reporting. I don't know her. I've never talked to her. Um, love to interview her sometime, but uh, she just, uh, I always liked her. She was very straightforward. She seemed to have a great sense of humor, too. Um, held her own on camera and I knew she could golf like that, but that's a big deal for you, brother. That's great. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And it, and it really is a testament to just doing the work. Like I said before about just getting out there, knocking on those doors, cold calling people, DMing them, even if they don't know you figuring out how to do it because like you, Jeff, I'm sure you get it too. People hit me up all the time going, how did you get into this? How do you get going? You know, what, what's your secret? And I go, there's no real secret. Any business book could tell you the same, but it's, you got to work it even if you're not getting paid to do it and you need a good business plan and and a strategy. And I think my strategy was what I said. It's, it's keep meeting these folks, keep asking them for their mentorship. Also offer anything I can offer from, you know, my skill set and my tool belt, right. anything I can do to help, let me know and, and just keep networking until something breaks. And this book with Lisa is the break. And she's so wonderful. I just got to say, Lisa Cornwell, I've met a lot of people in that world. I've met a lot of folks from Golf Channel. I've met a lot of folks that are great, brilliant broadcasters. Lisa Cornwell is one of the most true blue people I've ever met in that world. She's so wonderful. I'm super grateful to be working with her. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. We are going to talk about work. Work is important, especially if you want to play golf well, which that moves that really means that Tucker and I are pretty lazy when it comes to that part of it. But here is uh, here's Bruce Furman with his golf tip of the week. Hi, this is Bruce Furman from Langan Farms Golf Club, and uh, I'm the director of instruction there. And I'm going to give you a little tip today. I'm going to talk about uh, number one fundamental in golf, and that's to know where the beer cart is at all times. No, not really. It's hit the percussion point or hit the sweet spot on the golf club. 
And that's not easy. You've got to have a good golf swing to do that. But using launch monitors like a TrackMan or those different launch monitors, we found that you really lose a lot of speed when you miss the, the uh, percussion point or the sweet spot. So, for example, if you hit it low on your golf club, on your driver, um, low on the heel will lose almost 9 miles per hour, low in the middle, 7, low on the toe, lose 8 miles per hour. And even in the middle, but you hit the heel or the toe, you're going to lose four, 4 to 3 miles per hour. So hitting that sweet spot if you need more distance is really important. And one thing you can do to kind of tell where you're hitting it, if you can't tell just by hitting the, the shot and feeling it, is to use some foot powder that's, that's used for, for like... Uh, athlete's foot, something like tenactin or lamisil, and spray that on your clubs, and then when you hit the ball, it'll leave a mark on your club face, and you'll be able to tell where it is, and just by focusing on hitting the sweet spot and trying to hit the sweet spot more, I think you can do it better, and you'll get more distance. Hope that helps you. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can find out more about Bruce Furman at the Langdon Farms website. Just go there, langdonfarms.com. Look on the instruction website, you know, click the icon. You all know how this works now. Drop down, there's, there he is, big smiling picture, silver hair, good looking guy, a lot of fun to play with, and it will give you some great advice if you need a little help. Or if it's like me, it would be a full-time job with him. Anyway, we are going to take another break. We're going to be back with my buddy Tucker Booth. Right after this on Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. If I ever forget to tell you that, I doubt if I will. But uh, I love this show. I love this show because I get to talk to a lot of interesting people. I love my other shows, too. But my golf show is one of the favorites. And one of the reasons for that is I get to talk to people like Tucker Booth, my buddy and my guest today, because there's there's such a vast array of life experiences that people like Tucker can share with us. Uh, what brings us together is golf, but when you really delve into their lives, they got great stuff and have done great stuff, and that's why I love doing the show. Um, did that did that blow smoke up your skirt there enough, Tucker? Was that okay? That was or? awesome. I mean, cool. it, Renaissance man, and then all of that love. Just <laughs> please continue. <laughs> Where do you see yourself going with this? I mean, you're work, working on a book with Lisa. Um, your, your podcast is doing great. Where do you see yourself four or five years from now? That's a great question. I would love to see myself making an official pivot for being a full-time live musician, which I'm doing on top of all this other stuff. I play six days a week, every week, singing, playing guitar, working with children. I teach private lessons, guitar, piano, et cetera. I would love to hang that career up the live music part for the most part, except for maybe, you know, when I really want to for the love of it and be a full-time professional writer. Uh, besides writing this book with Lisa, 
which is already uh, being shopped around by agents um, with the proposals already done. We've, we're well into writing it. I, I spent the last year of the pandemic, Jeff, when I couldn't play live music, uh, writing my own book. And my wife, bless her heart, got me going after going crazy for the first six to eight weeks of the shutdown. <laughs> and I took a trip out to Oregon. Coincidentally, I drove all the way from Redondo beach, all the way to Portland, all the way to Vancouver. That was as far as I drove. And while I drove, I started writing a book and it's a biography, kind of a nonfiction adventure tale about all these crazy road trips that I've taken in my life and how they kind of uh, formed who I've become as a grown up. And that book is now 500 pages long oh. and is currently being edited as well. So I would love to be able to keep writing books or you know writing full time and being paid to do that as a career. It's a great gig if you can get it. Uh, and I don't say I'm not saying that sarcastically. I, I mean that because uh, somebody like you, that's, you know, you're you're kind of uh, combining all these little um experiences and and personal life assets and and all that together uh usually makes for good writers you know i i've talked to people before that oh i'm writing the great american novel doubtful because you you know you've never you never left the city of portland or you never left the city of new york or whatever you know but it's when people have gotten out and experienced things and and they grew up different than they ended up in life and so on and so forth that's what i think makes good writers and you know if you throw the sport of golf in there it could be any sport but this is a golf show so we're going to talk about golf right um i think those make really good writers and meeting people like you meeting lisa and working with lisa um you know or or anybody else that all that all you know stirs puts more ingredients in the pot and i think that's good stuff you're absolutely right and as far as writing goes there are golf books that are already not just on the back burner but underway the first one is a, a graphic novel that I'm writing with my 11-year-old. He is now really into reading, but he loves graphic novels. Mm -hmm. And we came up with an idea for anthropomorphic animals that golf. And they they golf in the Oregon woods, no less. And we are we are working on a, a graphic novel series about these golfing animals that we are already uh, talking to different agents about. And then also uh, a memoir of my own about a lot of these early experiences breaking into the golf writing world. I've also been talking to publishers about this book. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of writing about golf. I don't think I'm ever going to stop writing about it. I'd love to just be the poor man's Alan Shipnuck. And by poor man's, I mean <laughs> way poorer than Alan Shipnuck. <laughs> <laughs> how can people find you how can they find your podcast well there's lots of ways to find me obviously the easiest is probably just go to google and type in tucker dale booth it's d-a-l-e tucker dale booth that is also my twitter handle if you go to tucker dale booth on twitter it's the only social media i'm left on but you can find me there and i'm pretty easy to get a hold of if you want to reach out my podcast is sponsored by Mitchell Report Unleashed, which is its own podcast and a network that is out of London, Ontario, Canada. My pod is specifically called Rappers Don't Golf. <laughs> and you can find that at the Rappers Don't Golf hashtag. 
I am the only rappers don't golf hashtag on Twitter. I know it's hard to believe, but I am indeed the only one. And then uh, as far as the writing, I would say easiest way is just go either to my Twitter or if you go to Google, you can type in Tucker Dale Booth and then just add golf or from the back tees and yep. that will all come up. There you go. And I want to thank you all for listening. And one other thing out there, folks, be kind to one another. Take care, everybody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.